We finally reached the second parak of Mishnah Zion, 7-2. This is really the centerpiece of the Masechta, if you will. And this Mishnah lays out the 39 categories of Malacha, the Avos Malacha, uh, that are prohibited Midoraisa on Shabbos. So just a few moments of introduction before we go through each of the 39 Malachos. The number 39 really is comes to us from a Masorah, from tradition. Although the Gemara in Shabbos on Daf Mem Test says that if you there's an allusion to it in the Sukkim, because if you count all the instances of the word malacha and malachto and malaches in the Torah, you'll get to 39. Now, be that as it may, the 39 categories of malacha really can be organized um, into four subcategories, and this is certainly useful for for mnemonic purposes to remember the different malachas. So each one sort of tells a story. The first category is the 11 malachas that are used to make bread. Then the next category are the 13 malachas used to make textiles. Then there are seven malachas that have to do with making animal hides. And finally, you'll have eight malachas that are sort of various things to do with construction in the Mishkan. So the essential point here is that those 39 malachas, 11 to make bread, 13 for textiles, 7 for animal hides, and 8 for miscellaneous construction things, totaling 39, were the 39 activities that were used to construct the Mishkan, and according to some of Farsham, also were used um, in the functioning of the Mishkan. That is to say, these 39 are general categories. They're called avos, um, which means literally fathers, which implies they have tolados, which means offspring. That is to say, the Mishnah will enumerate the specific malacha that was used for the construction or perhaps the functioning of the Mishkan, um, but that doesn't mean that other things that aren't similar to those malachas are not also malachas medoraisa. They are, and they're just called toldos. As we saw in the previous Mishnah, the only difference between an av and a tolda is simply both are chayav medoraisa. It's just that if you do an av and a tolda, you'll be liable for one chatas if it's from the same av malacha. Okay, so um, one more piece of introduction here, which is the way that the Mishnah, the words that the Mishnah uses is like a noun, meaning the first malacha listed is Hazorea. So Hazorea actually translates literally as the one who plants or sows. Now, the way the Ramam lists it, kind of more intuitively, is not as um, a noun, but as a gerund, meaning like an ing ending word. So instead of saying um, the one who plants, it would be as, which is Hazorea, he listed as Zuria. Zuria means planting. Um, they're both used um, throughout the literature, so it's important to be familiar with both kinds of terms. I'll actually try to go through both of them each time. Um, but um, the reason why the Mishnah here is, says it in terms of people, Hazareya, the one who plants, etc., is because the previous Mishnah was talking about culpability. So, since we're saying one who does something, Bamezid is Chayav Karas, and Beshogig is Chayav Achatas, we have to, who are these people? The one who plants, the one who uh, plows, etc. Okay, so now, let's go through all the malachas. Now, with each of the malachas, it's important to understand two things. Um, the first is the specific meaning of the word and the actual av malacha, what was done in the mishkan, in its setting up or construction, or functioning. And then also to understand the conceptual nature of that av, because that is how we'll determine what are the todos as well. Um, so, for example, for zuria, for planting, um, the av malacha actually is indeed taking a seed and putting it in the ground. But... The toldos would be anything that 
does the same kind of thing as the Av. So what does that mean? So conceptually, Zriya is facilitating plant growth. So that means if you would plant a tree, which isn't really the same as planting a seed, or you would prune a tree to help it grow better, or you'd fertilize the ground to help the plant grow better, etc. You water the plants. All these things are facilitating the plant growth, and those will all be toldos of the Av Malacha. Each also Asr Medoraisa, um, if they are doing the same thing. Now, one of the things to keep in mind is that all the all the Avos Malachos to be liable for them, one has to fulfill the other requirements of Malachas Machshavas, calculated labor, as was set forth sort of in, in the introduction to the Masechta. But that's important. One important thing to keep in mind specifically with these lists here in this Mishnah is that if it's something is not constructive, but destructive, right? Mekalkel, so then it's not considered to be a Malacha, a Midoraisa. So even when we have things that are sort of like you might think destructive in nature, like erasing script or demolishing Sosar building, etc. So it has to be that these malachas are done that you were erasing so you could write again, you're demolishing so you could rebuild again, you were tearing so you could re sew again, and so on. Okay, that's important. So let's go through each one on their own. Um, here we go inside. Avos malachos are ba'imachasar achas. In total, there are 39 categories of malacha, avos malacha. The reason why the mission here uses a strange expression of 40 minus 1 as opposed to 39 um, is really, in truth, it's to to parallel the same expression that was used in Masechus Makos, where we talk about getting Makos uh, lashes that are administered by the Bezdin, and we say they get 39, and the Mishnah says 40 minus 1. The reason why it does that over there is to echo um, the Pasuk, which talks about getting 40 lashes, but our tradition is that 40 would actually be a a lethal dosage administration of lashes, so we do one fewer, and it parallels the language over there. I heard a great shot, I have to tell you, from a from a Lubavitch guy. He said that really this is important, that the whole, the Mishkan is like a microcosm of the universe, and the same way Hashem rested on the seventh day, we desist from constructive creativity, constructive activities known as the Malachos on Shabbos, and we are like Hashem in that way. And really, we have 39 creative acts, which are listed in this Mishnah. Hashem, in truth, said this fellow to me, had 40, because in addition to what we're listing here, Hashem also did Yesh Ma'ayin. He created something from nothing, um, which is something that we, um, in theory, would not be allowed to do, but in practice, it's not really relevant since we couldn't anyways. And therefore, we talk about the 40 minus 1 that we can do, as opposed to the 40 that Hashem didn't do. I like that. Okay, so inside we say, Avos Malachos Arbaim Chatzar Achas. There are a total of 39 categories of Malacha, and they are, number one, this is again the list, the next 11 will be for making bread. So you can, let me tell you the story so you can keep it in your head here. The story for making bread, if you will, is first you plant the seeds, Zorea, then you till the soil, Choresh, then you reap the wheat that's grown, that's Kotzer, then you gather the the um, the stalks together, that's Ma'amer, then you thresh them on the floor, that's dash. Then you winnow what you've threshed, that's zora. Then you clean out, pick out the the f- grains from the dirt, so that will be borer. Then you, I should have said, you pick out the dirt from the grains, to be honest. Um, that's borer. Then tochen, you grind it up to make flour. Maraket, you sift that flour. Lush, you then knead you, you make a dough, mixing the flour with water, kneading it together, and then finally, ha'ofa is baking it into bread. 
Those 11 steps, that's the story. Let me go through each of those malachas now one at a time. The first is zoreah, which we said already is planting of malacha, putting the seed in the ground, but the toldos would be anything that facilitates plant growth. Hachoresh, or harisha, is plowing. That means, that literally means you're, you're um, readying the, you're making the ground more arable, more, more able to produce and hold vegetation, you know, produce. So, Choreshly happens twice. First, you plow the earth so it's soft, and you can put the seeds in the ground, and that happens really before the zriya, the planting of the seeds. But then, afterwards, you might then till the soil again so that the ground is soft and that the dirt covers up the seeds you planted so that the birds, etc., don't get to them. So it'll be tilling. Both of those steps are considered choresh, and therefore the Mishnah chooses to say choresh second instead of first, because even though there is a preliminary plowing, that subsequent tilling is also part of the Amalacha. Again, the concept here is making the ground more arable. So fertilizing the ground, etc., would also be um, the atolda of, of Choresh. Then the third is Vahakotzer. Kotzerah is reaping. That is cutting something that's attached to the ground and detaching it to harvest it. Um, it would apply to anything. You pull an apple off a tree, etc. Picking grapes, all those kinds of things are also sort of toldos of Kotzer. But Kotzer, the actual technical word means to uh, reap grain growing from the ground. The Hama'amer, the fourth is um, gathering together the stuff that was now detached. So that would be like, you know, Ma'amer would be binding sheaves of wheat, but it applies to anything that grew from the ground that's in its place where it grew that, you're, that has been detached and you're gathering it. So if, I don't know what, you you took a stick and you whacked the olive tree and knocked all the olives to the ground, pick, that would be the whacking the tree to knock the olives off. That would be Kotzer. But when you gather the olives together, that will be a tolda of ma'amer. You're gathering them together. Number five is the hadash. Excuse me, there's no other. I should say the hadash, the one who threshes. So threshing is when you you take um, the wheat that you that you harvested and you put in a kind of like a think of a big circle on the floor. Okay, and that means what you have is you have these little wheat kernels. Think of kind of like what the maybe the barley you put in your chunks or something like that, and it's inside like a covering. It's inside like the pod, like think of like a pea pod, if you will. Um, that's part of the ear of the grain. So you have to now loosen the edible part, the ochel, the, the kernel itself, from its moorings, from things it's attached to, like the, 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 the part of the plant that's it's encased within. So that's called, that is the concept of dash. Dash is to release a food from its attachment to its, like, container like it's so a total dash could even be like you know when you're squeezing squeezing uh, an orange so you're detecting the liquid from trapped with inside it's you know cellulose little pod the problems understands that even if you if you um you give blood so you take bloodletting so dash you're removing the blood from its container the you know the vein inside etc that's the concept but the actual thing here dash is threshing so what happens is you put all those grains here's a grain on the on the floor there you'll take um, like a very heavy board that has sharp things beneath it. Think of it as nails or it's probably embedded little rocks and stuff. Um, and then someone sits on that board usually and then it's pulled in a big circle by oxen. And the, by doing that, essentially, the the, um, the friction between the board and the little rocks embedded in the underside of the board, um, pushing and like kind of grinding against the, the, uh, the ears of grain, grinds it up not not to break the grain into pieces, but to loosen, to break the to break the bond, to loosen the connection between the uh, 
the, the kernel and its containers. That is what dosh is. Then number six is vahazore. Zora is winnowing. That is to say, think of, you know, what happens is after you've done your threshing, so you have a big mix on the floor that is both wheat, the edible wheat, and the chaff. That's the, the bits of plant that you don't want to eat because it's not edible. Animals can eat it, but you won't eat it. So how do you separate the two? So you do zora. Zora winnowing, you take a, like a pitchfork, let's say, and on a windy day, you'll throw that mix up in the air. So what happens is the heavy kernels kind of fall plunk straight back down to the ground, whereas the wind will carry off the lighter bits of grass, um, the chaff that you separated when you did the, when you did the threshing. So zora is separating the ochil, the edible parts, from the psolus, the non-edible part, um, but it's done using the wind. Okay. Then haborer. Now borer is sorting. The actual case is you're taking out the rocks from the, in this case, you're taking out the rocks that are left on the ground that are mixed up with the the little kernels, edible kernels of, of wheat. Okay. Remember, you're on the floor out in the, in the field somewhere. So it's very nice that you have all this now edible grain after you've winnowed, but it's on the dirt. So you have to get the dirt out of it. So before you harvest it up, you'll pull out the little rocks, etc. So borer or borera sorting is separating out the bad from the good conceptually. Um, to, for ease of purpose, you can just think of it as being done with your hand. If you do it by hand, it's borer as opposed to the zora, which is using the wind. Okay, borer is using your hand. Well, the truth is it could be done with the kli also according to many fortune, but anyways, let's stick to just your hand. So again, you're, the literal thing is you're picking the rocks out of out of the, uh, the mixture of kernels on the ground, but borer is any kind of sorting when you're separating something bad from good. It could apply to any anything, and it's probably one of the most um, wide-ranging and, you know, I'll call it problematic malachas that comes up a lot. Um, it could apply to silverware. It could apply to books and so on and so forth. Anything, if you're, if you're taking out the bad and leaving the good, you're in Bora territory. Then the eighth is hatochen. Trina is grinding, so milling. What happens is you take now those kernels of wheat, you put them into a into a mill, like a, 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 a let's say a hole in the ground. They did it, or whatever, a mortar and pestle. And you'll then you'll take something heavy and you'll grind it up, and you grind that the the kernel into flour, into powder. That's called trina, um, tochen. Now, the making of flour is the actual of malacha, but any the concept is anytime you're taking something like a big edible thing and you're transforming it through cutting it into smaller pieces or breaking this breaking it down to smaller pieces where the smaller pieces function in a way that's different than the whole unbroken piece. So in other words, you just can't make bread out of out of whole kernels of wheat. You'll have to grind it. So by grinding it it's in smaller pieces but it functions differently. So the same is true if you take um any large piece of food and cut into small pieces, if now it's functioning in a different way, so you'd be over the doraisa of of, um, of of token. So that means um, maybe if you're, if you're taking an avocado and cutting into little small pieces or even a carrot or something, at some point um, cutting that food into small pieces, very small pieces already is, is token, even though you're not grinding it. Okay. The ninth is hamaraked. Maraked is sifting. That means you take the flour and you put it with this, like on a sifter, and you separate out to get. Now you want to get the bran and whatever else is mixed in with the ground up flour to be separated from the flour below. So marakid is also kind of sorting as borin zora. The difference is the simplest way to think of it is is that marakid is using a kli or a sifter as opposed to bor, which is using your hand. Um, although it's not doesn't not all the mafreshim explain like that, but let's just keep it simple like that. So marakid is using like a sifter or a strainer. 
Um, so anytime you're using, um, you know, you're using a, a utensil to separate out, like a, a filter or a colander, all that kind of stuff, you're in Morocco territory. Midoraisa is todos. Tenth is vahalash. Alicia is um, kneading, literally. The point is that you're mixing together water with the flour to make some kind of um, like a paste. So whenever you're, you know, a dough. So anytime you're doing that, you're you're mixing together solids and liquids to make some kind of paste. Whatever it is, you're in in, in lush territory. That's the concept there. And finally, number eleven is vahofa. Ofa is baking. That means you take now this dough and you put it in the oven, and the oven bakes it. The concept, however, of, of ofa is transforming something um, through fire. So ofa kind of has like a ko of almost, which is bishel. Bishel is um, cooking. The difference being, you bishel is through with water. Like you put pasta in the pot and you, you boil up the pot or make a challenge, whatever it is, um, as opposed to of which is dry heat. But the concept is the same. And anytime you're using um, fire to transform something, you're doing the at least a tolda of this. Um, so that would say if you're I don't know if you're melting wax or you're if you're um, annealing steel and so on. You make something red hot, a filament, all those kind of things. You, that's, you could you you're transforming it through heat. So that is all at least a tolda of ofa. Those are the first 11 for making bread. Now we have 13 for making textiles. Okay, so it starts out, we're going to make a woolen curtain here, let's say. So you have to start with the animal. The first is hagozza satsemer. You have to shear the sheep. That means you take like a scissors, let's call it, and you cut off the wool from the sheep, getting lots of little short little hairs, like fibers. Okay, so the concept of gozes is anytime you're separating um, material for use from the body of a living creature. Okay, so it could be shearing. Um, gozes might apply even to cutting a human hair or cutting human fingernails, etc. Um, it's a question if that would be a derised or a because it's you know hard to see how it's a malchish But in any case, putting that aside, the point is um, if you're taking something off a living creature for use, then that is called gozes. Then that's the first of the 11, or I'll, I'll keep the number. That's number, there are 11, uh, sorry, the 13, excuse me, the 13 total, but let me keep running to getting to 39. So of the, that's the first of the 13, but it's now number 12 on the list out of the 39. The next is number 13 on the list, or the second for making textiles, is malabno. Um, malabno literally means to whiten. Now, there are two different kinds of approaches in the Roshonoma, what's going on here. Either it means you're somehow um, scouring or scrubbing or rinsing, washing out this hair, because remember, this, this is coming from a sheep. The sheep lives in the dirt. It's covered in filth and oil and grease and animal dung, etc. you got to clean those fibers so they'll work well. So how do you do that? So either you basically put it um, in like a running river, like, you know, water running over it, and or in like a tub with some kind of detergent, you know, which you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna scrub it clean, you're going to scour it, and also get a lot of the grease off of the, uh, the, the hairs. Um, and you'll Alternatively, the Rambam understands what happens is you're putting this this animal hair into a uh, like an oven while it's still a little moist, and you're firing up the oven with with sulfur. What happens is there's a chemical reaction where essentially sulfuric acid is produced as you're doing it. So the point is that you're bleaching this um, this wool by having it heated inside this oven. So the point is again that you're you're cleansing the the fibers that you've shorn from, sheared from the sheep. 
Vamanatspo. Menapets is um, to essentially unmat, separate out those fibers. You need to make them essentially separated apart. A, so whatever debris is trapped inside of them still will now come out. Think of like, you know, think of dreadlocks. So you shored this animal which has sort of dreadlocks. It's still got, you have to loosen it up and separate out the hairs so whatever's inside can come out. And also you want to maximize the uh, the surface area of this of this, uh, these fibers, these hairs, because you're going to want to dye it in a minute. So you want a maximum surface area so the dye can take hold. So between, once you've both malabined, you've, you've um, scoured it and used a detergent to sort of get the grease off so it's ready to absorb the dye, as well as now done knee puts, you've separated it. The separating can be done different, first from folks on different aspects, whether it's what's called willying, which is sort of whacking it with a stick, um, or picking, using your hands to separate it out or um, it could be carding and combing you're using like um think of like have you seen these brushes they use to comb a dog it's kind of like a big card with like long sharp um, teeth so you use that um or two of them in opposite directions to pull it apart so those are all that's part of monopets now an essential part of monopets also um which is in doing that in carding it meaning you again you take hard to explain without a picture you you take two um two brushes let's just think of two brushes and you comb them running you know in opposite directions from each other with all the mad massive hair fibers in the middle the idea is that it's going to allow the fibers to run parallel one to the other um, which is important later on because if they're nice and parallel you can get a nice long um lachon, like a, a long um amount of them um which will be useful now for making and in the, all lined up in the same direction, parallel one to the other. So when you, in a moment, transform that into thread, the thread won't have, like, bumps in it. It'll be smooth, okay? So monopets are taking these um, fibers and combing them or cleaning them and separating them apart. So they'll take a dye and they'll be li- lined up in the same way. And once, the, once that's happened, you get to the next malach, which is vahatsovo. Sovea is um, a dyeing, D-Y-E, dyeing. So that means, essentially, you'll take this all this fiber this hairs you'll put it into a like a cauldron with the dye and it will take the dye so you can color it how you want it colored now after that you'll take it out of the and so so they is coloring the surface of anything um if you paint a wall or something you also in sovea sovea does not apply to foods importantly um fine but it could apply to i don't know if you want to have your you want to have your toilet bowls look blue so that they're shiny and you put the little blue thing inside so it looks nice and neat and clean and people think, oh, what a beautiful toilet you have. Um, so coloring the water of the toilet blue would also be told of tovea. Okay? Not food, though. Next, vatove. Tovea is um, the converting of those short little hairs, which are only a few inches long from the back of the sheep, um, into a nice long thread, which you'll need, of course, to make the garments. So Tavia means tova means spinning. What that means essentially is you take that mass of those all the short hairs and you'll feed them into what's like essentially a spindle. It's hard again hard to describe it exactly out of picture, but kind of think of like a spinning top or something, and it's spinning and it's got a hook on the end of it, and you sort of as you feed the the fibers into it, they get intertwined together and they can now become one long thread as opposed to a bunch of short hairs. Okay, so that's Tove. Then the 17th is Vahamesech. Now, Mesech is essentially setting up a loom. Specifically, the loom... Okay, let me explain this. The, the, once you've got your threads, you're now going to weave them. Now, weaving them essentially means you take 
a whole mass of threads that are going on one direction. Um, that's called the, the the warp or the chassis threads. Think of you know 100 threads going just from whatever east to west. Okay, and then what you're going to do is you're going to then take other threads, those perpend and and interweave them going over under over under those 100 east to west threads, and you put these other direction, meaning that these are called the the arev threads, the transverse threads, which are called the warp. Excuse me, the weft threads, the weft threads. So they'll go kind of go over under. So what happens is, like if you look at your own shirt or something, you'll see um, the fabric is essentially like a almost like a checkerboard with you know all the east west. That was the in our case that was the warp, and then north south threads. That's the weft. Okay, that's the chassis arev. So you to do that by hand, going over under over under over under a hundred times for each additional row of arev thread of, of weft thread you're doing would take you a lifetime so if it's done by hand so what happens is they use a loom a loom essentially mechanizes it automates the process where you can very quickly go um over under over under how do they do that they take the warp threads the ones that are in my description go from east to west all hundred of them and um they will put them on a loom that means to say you'll you'll essentially stretch them on like two rollers okay the east to west threads that you can essentially roll them and it keeps on going and going and going so you can keep on pulling it you know across to make more and more and more fabric setting it up on those two rollers that pulls it tight that sets up you know this east to west my description these warp threads the chassis threads that is mesach mesach is setting up the loom specifically attaching those warp threads to the rollers but then now you need to essentially have the weft threads the of threads that will go um, in the other direction, perpendicular, over, under, over, under. So how do you do that? What you do is you take those warp threads and you'll attach half of them, let's call them the, the, the odds first, 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, etc., up to 99. You'll put those um, into, you'll take these two, hard to describe what they look like, even. They're these two, um, I'll call it a grid, for lack of a better term, a grid. It looks kind of like, if you think of like, the bars of a child's crib or something like that, but in the middle of each bar, there's like a hole, okay? So, and through the hole, the thread can go, okay? So think of that kind of, what I'm calling a grid, like the, the side of a child's crib, okay? Which has, let's say, 50 bars and 50 holes, and this will be the odd one. So that thing's called the heddle, H-E-D-D-L-E in English. Okay, the heddle, um, you will have one of them, which will be for the odds, and the second one, which will be for the evens okay and they're going to be you know they're going to that way you'll put all the warp threads through those heddles and you'll put all through all the odds to the odd one and all the evens to the even heddle and that way if you make the heddles go um the heddles are going also perpendicular if you they're going north south okay our warp is going east west they're going perpendicular north south so what happens is and they're all the warp threads are going through it now so if you can imagine if you take one the odd heddle and lift it up and the even heddle and push it down what will happen is first of all you'll have like the half the threads going up and half the threads going down and then you can take um this, this is called the shuttle and there's the book here you can throw um like the, you can if you pass thread between the ups and downs what will happen is um if you imagine that so you take one thread that will be our our, our thread our web thread and you pass it between 
the gap which you made by taking half up and half down. So what happens is, now when you alternate and you take the odds and now move that odd heddle down and the even heddle up, magically you've, done, you've trapped the thread that you went across over, under, over, under. And then if you now pass that thread back towards you, let's say going back south again, um, and then you switch the heddles after you pass it through, so now the odd one goes back up and the even goes back down, again, you'll trap them going over, under. So that is how a loom works, super simply speaking. Um, if you can do that back and forth, back and forth, and start rolling back and forth, back and forth with the weft thread, and you start rolling the warp threads, what happens is you can now make a nice long bolt of fabric. So mesach is the malacha of setting up the loom by putting the warp threads on the rollers, Okay, and the next malacha, which is called Ose Shnei Batinirin, means the threading of those warp threads through the holes. The base near is the loop, the hole through which the warp threads go. So if you, so, so essentially setting up the loom. So putting two of those warp threads through those holes in the heddles, that's the malacha of Ose Shnei Batinirin. Putting two of them in is the malacha of the rice already. Um, and then the Ha'oreg Shnechutin, that's next malacha, number 19, is passing um, that weft thread to and fro. So you kind of go in over, under in one direction, then you went under, over in the other direction. And that's called Oreg, weaving. Taking that, to, and what you're doing is you're taking thread and, and you're moving them in perpendicular one to the other to begin to create a piece of, of fabric. Okay? Then number 20 is Vahapotseya Shnechutin. If you um, then you tearing off two threads, um, again the point here is that you're removing those two threads from um, the the fabric because you want you you want to like switch it with something else. You you're, you're, you're you know you maybe it's different colors, maybe it's just that you need to fix something or you're going to end it here, whatever the story is. So potseya um, is part of removing it from the loom. Any of the above, those are all constructive reasons for tearing off the two threads. At least two threads. Once you are potseya tearing two threads off the the fabric, so then already that's the malacha. Hakosher, kosher is, t- is tying a knot. Um, so if you tie a knot f- of the threads, you're now doing the malacha doraisa. So kosher literally means like knots, and it means take basically taking two you know two kind of pliable materials and tying them together. Kosher requires midoraisa that the not be a keshishal kayama, that it was when you knotted it, you intended it to last indefinitely. Um, and according to um, the Ramam and the Rif, it also, Midorais needs to be what's called a, um, a kesher uman, which is like literally means professional, professional knot, meaning the knot has to be um, like tight and durable, that it can last you know, last indefinitely. But if it's not tra- if it's not really tight and durable, it's not a kesher uman, it would only be a durabanan knot, even if you intended to tie it indefinitely according to the Rambam. Okay, so that's tying. Um, Vahamatir. Matir is untying. It's the opposite of tying. So the very knot that you are not allowed to tie, if you undo it for the sake of retying it, remember it has to be constructive, that would be matir. Vahatofer um, tefiros, one who sews two, I'll call them a stitches, for lack of a better term. Um, so, meaning you go in and then you go out of the fabric, that's called sewing. Sewing, just to make it clear, is you're, you're, let's say you're taking two pieces of fabric and you're attaching them together. So you take a needle and thread and you'll now go in one and out the other to connect them together. Okay, like up and down, whatever it is, to begin to make that stitch. Now, according to the Bartonori here, even one in and one out will be the malach of Topher, but only if then you knot it together. 
because if you knot it together, knot that string, then it will hold. It's just one stitch, but at least it holds in place. If you didn't knot it, it couldn't hold in place, therefore you wouldn't be able to malacha with a risa. On the other hand, if you go three times in, out, and then in again, even without knotting it at the end, you've now kind of bound these two pieces of fabric in place through sewing, and that will be um, that will be also tofer, tefira, the doraisa, but it says shtei tefiros, just one in and one out, for that you need to tie the ends. Hakorea almanas litfor, shtei tefiros, or if one um, tears, like undoes, undoes stitching, if he undoes even two, um, like two, st- st- two stitches, um, if he does it so that he can re-stitch it together afterwards, that would be the malacha doraisa, okay? And that, um, that ends the 13 for making textile. Okay, now we have seven malachas for making animal hides. The first is Hatsad Svi, one who traps a gazelle. Um, tseida, trapping, means you're confining an animal because you, you want to keep it somewhere, you want it for something. So anytime you trap an animal that you want, like in a bear trap or something because you want the bear or something, so that would be considered to be Seida, trapping. Then, but in this case, you're, you're getting this gazelle because you want to make a nice you know animal hide uh, covering for the for the oil mode, and that being the case, after you trap it, the next malacha of the seven will be vashochto. That's twenty-six on the list. Shechita is um, slaughtering it, of course. The concept is netilas neshama taking the life of something. And now, since we understand that the life force in the blood causing any bleeding at all already is the doraisa of shochet, so causing a bruise where the blood is detached from the you know from the circulatory system and, tra- and pulled underneath the skin. Even that, since it won't get reabsorbed back into the circulatory system, already is a told of shochet, um, but even, you know, flossing your teeth and making them bleed or whatever it is, you're in, you're in shochet territory, okay? Then um, the third of the seven, or number 27 on the total list, is vahamafshito. Hefshet is flaying the animal. That is, you know, you're basically cutting the animal to remove the skin. It's hide from from the meat, from the animal. So it's hefshet. Then the next is vahamolcho, Maleach means to salt. So when you want to transform this animal skin, like this pelt, I'll call it, um, into a into a hide that lasts indefinitely, because otherwise it, it, it's, a, it's alive, was from a live creature, it will biodegrade. So you have to preserve it. That preserving process is called tanning, and that makes it so that the hide will last indefinitely, or whatever. Yeah, so the first step in the process of transforming an animal's skin into a durable hide is you have to um, desiccate it, you got to dehydrate it to dry it out so the way they did that is basically soaking it in um, salt or salt water solution that draws out um, all of the liquid from the animal hide so that's vamolcho moleach um, and the next one is ma'abidis oro ma'abid is also tanning that's using other chemicals and other things to to um to make to preserve as preservatives for the hide now the gemara will end up saying that Maleach and Ma'abed is really two sides of the same coin, together. And indeed, we're going to remove Maleach from the list. Okay? So ultimately, Maleach will be removed from the list of 39, which will give a space for one more um, in a bit, which would be the Maleach of Mesartet, which is um, uh, like cutting in lines. Like think of, uh, in a Sefer Torah, you have those the, the, those like indented lines on which the writing is done. So that's Mesartet. But the Mesartet in, in the time of the... Uh, the Mishkan here was essentially marking where you're going to cut, where you're going to cut the uh, the hides to fashion them into the right size. Okay, so we're not going to see explicitly Masartate, but it belongs on the list, replacing um, Molcho. Then the Mishnah says now, 
either some gear cells, uh, most, I think the gear cells in front of us all are Vahamochako, um, but the gears of the Bartsunura and how it's usually presented is Memachek, Memachko. Memachek is to transform that now, that tanned hide, um, to sort of smooth it out, to, to you know, it's, it's going to be not smooth, it's going to have bumps and hair and so on, so to pull it taut and to smooth it out and to press it into the shape you wanted, that's Memachek. Followed by the missing malacha of Masartate, marking it off. Of, it's called scoring um, the, the hide. And then v'hamachatcho. Machatech is to cut something to the size you want it. Here it's cutting the hide so it fits to the exact, you know, it was shaped like an animal before. You want it to be shaped like, say, into a rectangle. So you cut it up as appropriate. Um, but anytime you're cutting something to the size you want it, um, that's machatech. So, you know, if you're cutting toilet paper to the size you want it off the roll, you're in Machatech territory. If you're um, separating even like the yogurts that are attached together, so you have one, you know, one little container of yogurt, the size you want to function with instead of the whole thing together, it's a pain in the neck when they're all attached, that would be Machatech even. Okay? Um, so those are the those are the seven for animal hides, and now we're going to have eight that are really used in construction. The first two are Hakosiv Shtei Osios, one who writes two letters, Vahamochek Almanas Lichtov Shtei Osios, and its analog is the next one, which is I'm erasing that those that writing in order you can, that you can write two more letters. The reason why that's important is because, of course, it has to be constructive. Um, there'll be a discussion in the Mishnayis if we're talking about letters specifically or any meaningful symbols, like, say, numbers or Chinese characters, etc. So we'll get to that later on in the Mishnayis. But the point is writing two. In the Mishkan that was done, when they had the, the boards, the krushim of the, of the Mishkan, they had to be lined up properly. Um, so the way they did that is they, when they attached the boards the first time, they marked them off, you know, the end of the first board, they marked board. They marked with an olive. In the beginning of the second board, they marked with an olive, so they could pair the olives together. And then at the end of the second board, they marked the base. And then the beginning of the third board, they marked the base, so they can pair the bases together, etc. So that writing is what was used in the Mishkan. That is the Kosev. Okay. Um, now, next in the list, nearing the end here, we have Habona Vahasoser. Again, that's a pair of two. Bona is construction, as opposed to Soser, which is like, you know, demolishing something unconstructing it's the opposite of bone so bone means um really as, really assembling something bone has two guises the first guise is um assembling a structure on the ground okay like building a, a tent a house or something and that'll apply to anything that's attached to the ground even the smallest improvements or developments of a ground-based structure will be bone so just smoothing out holes in the ground or digging a hole in the ground or plugging up a little crack in your wall or something all bone midorisa Okay, but also assembling pieces together of something is also considered bona. There is a machlokus between Basil and Beshame if there's binyan bekalim, if you can add construction when it comes to um, utensils. Um, although we pass in like Base Hill that there isn't binyan bekalim, that's like sort of an improvement. But if you're, if even Base Hill will agree, and Allah will be, if you're assembling something from scratch, you know, you, you get a chair out of the box, you know, from Ikea and you build into a chair, so that would be considered to be bona because you're assembling this chair from nothing. Okay, from just raw pieces. That's bone and Sosa will be taking it apart. Um, uh, the building or, or the chair, etc. Again, it would have to be for a constructive purpose that you're taking down the building to build a bigger one or something for it to be a derisa. Okay, now we have hamachabe v'hamavir. Again, two more that are a pair. Mechabe is to extinguish a fire and, and mavir is to kindle a fire. So the kindling fire is straightforward. It's just lighting a lamp, burning a piece of paper or something. That's all the derisa of mavir, of Making a flame, mechab is extinguishing that flame. Now, for that to be 
for a constructed purpose, the way you, that would be is because when you um, want to make like a furnace to make something very hot, you need coal. And to make charcoal, you need charcoal, I should say. And charcoal um, is produced by essentially, you know, um, burning the wood and then extinguishing it. So you have those those charcoals. So the extinguishing of the burning wood to make up charcoal is a constructed purpose and necessary for making a furnace for, let's say, smelting metal, etc. So that's the that's the malacha of mechaba. So mechaba mavir. So we got two more to go. Um, the thirty eighth is hamakeb patish, which literally means the smack of the of the hammer. Okay. So there are different mafarshim of exactly what this is referring to. Um, the idea is it's the final hammer blow, the finishing touch. So some understand what it means is um, literally the finishing touch on any kli, any utensil, is makabapatish, the finishing of the construction. So that means it's just, you know, it was, it was functional, but it wasn't yet, you know, the final panache wasn't there. So the final, final finishing touch, that's makabapatish. Other understand it means, um, like, when you're, when you're hewing stone from, like, quarrying stone, from a mountain, so you have to cut the edges, and then finally, this it's like almost all detached, but it's still attached to the mountain by a thread. The makbabat, the last smack of the hammer, will then knock it off from the mountain, and that is the finishing touch again, the, the essential last piece. Some understand what we're talking about here is um, when you're when you're uh, working on the if you're hammering on an anvil and you need to have a smooth hammer that shouldn't have any nicks in it, so you're, you're whacking against the hammer, the hammer against the anvil, even that could be patish, the hitting against the anvil, um, to, to smooth out and repair the potentially dinged hammer, that'd be the makvapatish. Whatever it is, makvapatish, very common, um, all the prohibitions against fixing um, utensils is all makvapatish territory, so that you can't do, of course. Medoraisa, makvapatish, and finally the last one, 39, which you've seen already, in the Masechta so far, is Hamotzi Mereshus the Rishus, one who transfers from one domain to another domain, referring to here between um, Rishus Yachid and Rishus Rabim, or vice versa, when one transfers the Yisol from Yachid to private domain, remember the, with the Mechitzas and Ten Tvachim, to the public domain, um, open area, wide open area, that's 16 Tvachim across, with population and so on, transferring through it, traveling through it, so that would be, um, either way would be Hotza'a, Hotza'a technically actually is going from Private to public and hachnasa from public to from public to private. In the Mishkan, what was happening there is they had these agalot, these big wagons that were used to transport for transporting the boards of the Mishkan, etc. So those agalot, those wagons were ten tefachim off the ground with the, the beds of them. So therefore, the bed like of the of the of the agala was a rishus yachrot itself. It was more than four by four tefachim on on the side. And it was one tenth of off the ground, so it's a rishus yachid. So putting it from the desert floor, which was the rishus rabim, where all the Jews were, onto the agalah, was a transfer as a hachnasa from the rabim to the yachid. And they would do it, and obviously in the reverse also when they would reassemble the uh, the mishkan. So that's from yachat to rabim. So that is the malach We've seen already important told us that include um, any sort of ha'avara transporting even dal ramos and rishus rabim. It really is considered to be a tolda of that. Um, and we've seen other things too, like moshit and zorik, etc handing over and, and throwing things through the Rishos or from Yechat all those are um, toldos of Hotza. And the Mishnah ends by saying, Hare elu avos malachos. These are the categories of malachos, arbarim chasrachas, for a total of 40 minus 1 or 39. It re-enumerates it here, and actually twice the Mishnah counts the, Mishnah, the malachos of 39, when you can count them yourself. I'll tell you two things. First of all, I'll tell you that, it, that even if you did like every malach under the sun, on a Shabbos, you're only liable to 39 different chataos, because it is 39 and no more. 
That's the first count, and the second count at the end here is because Rabbi Huda actually has other items on the lists, and the Mishnah here is saying, no, it's these 39 and nothing else.